You're listening to Porch 84, a podcast where we interview community advocates from across Southeast Iowa who are working to make our region a truly great place to live. I'm Mike Heaton, and I'm on the porch of Jeff Fager, Democratic candidate for District 84 of the Iowa House of Representatives. Joining Jeff and I on his porch today is Dave Hellman, Jeff's campaign manager. We're here today because this is a special episode of Porch 84. Tomorrow is election day. We spent the last month and a half interviewing some fantastic community members from across the region. We are gonna talk to Jeff about what he's learned from the last month and a half and how he will best represent us at the State House in Des Moines if he gets your votes. Jeff, it's good to be on your porch. Well, thank you very much, Mike. It has been an incredible several weeks, six weeks, uh, uh, listening to these community leaders. I've gotten an earful. Uh, It feels a little bit like drinking from a fire hose, (laughs) but it's been a very important experience, and uh, I know I've grown from it. Dave Hellman, welcome back to The Porch. Thank you, gentlemen. This has been been a lot of fun. But Jeff, I want to say... It's just been a pleasure to work with you in your campaign. I, when I look at uh, what you bring to this race, when I look at your qualifications, your life experience, and the time you have spent trying to listen to what folks want to talk about, you're a perfect match for what we need in the legislature at this point. That said, I'd like to sort of do a rundown on how this episode will work. It's a little more laid back than some of the other episodes we've had with interviews. This is going to be more conversational between Dave and I, sort of almost interviewing Jeff again to really see what he's learned from all these great community leaders around Southeast Iowa. More importantly, we're going to learn from Jeff about his plans to take all that information, all that knowledge, and learn how he will best represent us at the State House in Des Moines. So it's going to be a fun time, and so let's get to it. So Jeff, one of our very first episodes was on rural health care with Dr. Sarah Ledger, who's a local family practice physician here in Mount Pleasant, as well as Jacob Dodds, her husband, who's the director of EMS services at Henry County Health Center. What are some of the key takeaways you had from that interview? Well, one of the things that uh, struck me right away, one of the positive aspects of rural health care was the importance of relationship. And I think Dr. Ledger and uh, her husband, Mr. Dodds, certainly pointed out that in our context, the personal relationship improved their ability to deliver health care. So that was a positive aspect. They also noted the vulnerability of people to gain access uh, to health care in these rural areas. That creates an issue that needs some serious discussion and thought to create solutions to this difficult problem. And in thinking through that very vulnerability, it became apparent to me that the market does not work in every aspect of life and I think healthcare is one of those things that the so-called free market is not a good solution to some of the problems we face. Jeff, uh, one common thread I found through all nine podcasts was a stress on education, education of our young people. And Anita Hampton spoke uh, with tremendous experience on, on, on her work and her career in early childhood education. What are some of the takeaways you found there? Well, certainly one very important takeaway was the centrality of these early years. 
she introduced uh, a term, adverse childhood experience. And she noted that in those early years, those adverse childhood experiences, the problems with the breakup of family or poverty or disease, had a tremendous effect on adulthood. And so that echoed its way through adulthood, which meant our support of our young children is crucial in producing productive citizens for the future. Uh, it's an economic need because in our economy, we often have either single parents or two career parents, and so we need high-quality uh, child care to help with that. And I want to stress high-quality, and Anita pointed out, it's not just any sort of babysitting, but high-quality child care and early childhood education. It has become something of a trite saying, but it's still true. It takes a village to raise a child. And I think as a community, we need to invest in that and take advantage of the village to raise our children. Speaking of villages, big and small, as we all know, um, our very own Dave Hellman uh, lives on the last road south <laughs> in Henry County. That's right. So he joined you on our porch to talk about issues of our citizens in the district related to living in more remote areas of District 84, the topic being rural life. Right. And because of rural life, there are certain challenges to be faced that uh, I think will lead to specific programs. Clearly, one has to do with emergency services, uh, and that gets to a policy issue uh, regarding the declaration of, of ambulance service as an essential service. The folks in these more remote areas really rely on that kind of emergency service to keep them safe and to respond to their uh, situations, their healthcare crises. Broadband access, and again, that's a, a specific policy issue, is very important for uh, our rural communities. We know that uh, 120 years ago, electricity was seen as an essential utility to bring people in more remote areas into that modern society. And the same is true with broadband access to the internet. And Dave also brought up the importance of postal service in these rural areas. While broadband internet service is important, people still rely on physical connectivity, uh, bringing physical objects uh, into their homes or taking them out as well. And so the Postal Service is an important component in these rural communities. Jeff, uh, I was so impressed with the remarks of Martha Wiley. You had a great exchange with Martha. Uh, she's a career educator, and she spoke a great deal about her work on the school board and uh, the demands on our school board, particularly in the times of COVID. What, what were some of the things that Martha spoke in terms of that role that that struck you as very important and necessary to be understood by a legislator? Two things specifically for the legislature is uh, a timely information from the state regarding the monies that the local districts will receive. She noted that they have to make decisions in advance of how they are going to budget and allocate their funds, and they need information from the state so that they understand what their revenues will be uh, to make those sorts of decisions. And unfortunately, sometimes that information has not gotten to them in a timely fashion, and it's put a lot of pressure on these local school districts. Uh, 
The second thing that she noted that I think is important for legislators to be mindful of is the need for stability in decision-making. Particularly in the last several months, uh, under the pressure of COVID-19, decisions from Des Moines have kind of waffled, and they've been here, and they've been there, and local districts need a stability in decision-making that they feel confident uh, will be upheld for the longer term. And one more thing uh, that related to what we heard from Anita Hampton in early childhood education, Anita referred to adverse childhood experience, and Martha talked about trauma-informed care. Our public schools are dealing with issues that children face and then bring into the public schools. And some of those deal with these traumatic issues uh, that are happening in the family or in society uh, that teachers and schools have to deal with. So supporting this trauma-informed care from the state level, I think, would be important to help our schools and our teachers. Well, and Jeff, I thought it was really appropriate that you followed up that conversation with Martha Wiley with a more in-depth look at mental health with Dr. Cindy Waljasper from Iowa Wesleyan. Right. Uh, one of the things that uh, Dr. Waljasper pointed out very helpfully was the need to care for the whole self. And she pointed out that for centuries we've talked about physical health and mental health as if they're two completely different aspects of a human life, when in fact these are, are completely integrated. Her emphasis was on caring for the whole self, uh, uh, what we have traditionally called our physical bodies as well as our mental well-being. And I think that was an important point to make uh, as we think about mental health in general. Clearly, she noted that we need better access to mental health care issues. Uh, we've lost our local facility here in Mount Pleasant, and we are in uh, an area designated as lacking in access to mental health. And so we need a bit more of that. Uh, and one of the problems that that creates is transportation. People locally who may face mental health issues have to travel many, many miles or hours to get the help they need. And, and that's obviously a problem and needs to be addressed. She noted that one of the issues that people face under the conditions of this pandemic is a feeling of isolation and the inability to plan for the future. And that creates, she said, a sense of hopelessness. And we need to deal with that, respond to that, and understand the complexity of, of responding to this pandemic. Jeff, our good friend Mike Heaton spoke regarding rural entrepreneurship. Mike uh, speaks from uh, a good, good experience in the fact he's lived and worked in big cities and small, and now he is a rural entrepreneur beginning a new business of his own, uh, commonly called a startup in a, in a rural area. Big challenges to starting a new business in, a rural, in rural America. What do you think some of those are that you were concerned about that Mike addressed? Well, I liked his promotion of diversity of opportunity for these kinds of startups, uh, small businesses, and again, he emphasized the need for small businesses. Obviously, communities like Mount Pleasant uh, do need what we might call 
uh, anchor industries that employ uh, a larger number of, of workers. But small communities in particular can be vulnerable to one or two events that might take out a large employer. And if that's all you've got, it, it has a very negative impact on the community. So a diversity of opportunity, a diversity of small businesses, and he emphasized locally owned businesses. Locally owned businesses plow that money back into the community and these local owners, these local entrepreneurs are invested not just monetarily but with their time and energy and expertise into these communities and that's very important. And underscoring all this, uh, he introduced to me the notion of entrepreneurship ecosystem building. Fabulous. It's where we have the opportunity to bring local entrepreneurs like Mike together in a group to support each other, share knowledge, and in essence, they reinforce each other's strengths and abilities and it's good for everybody, and that's, I think, how we can really grow an economy here in our rural communities. Well, speaking of rural entrepreneurship, some of our biggest entrepreneurs historically are farmers and those businesses that support the agriculture industry. And so I know you were very insistent that we really emphasize agriculture as part of this podcast, so we gave it a whole week. We had Ag Week last week right here on Porch 84, and the first episode of that two-part episode was based on family farming, and you interviewed Jeff Olson. Right. Jeff is a fifth-generation farmer here in uh, southeast Iowa, and he represents a niche in agriculture here in Iowa as a, sort of a medium-sized family farmer. But he recognizes a need for diversity in agriculture. He's concerned about the dominance of monocultures and we recognize that sometimes, for example, the derecho we experienced uh, several weeks ago can have a devastating effect on our agricultural economy because we have so much invested in one product. So diversity in agriculture, I think, was an important uh, takeaway for me on that. And then he introduced me to the term regenerative agriculture. By that, he means we need to replace some of what we've taken out of the soil and the water. We can't simply stick with the status quo because the status quo has uh, deteriorated a bit. So regenerative agriculture is replacing, renewing, making the soil as strong and good as it was generations ago so that it will sustain us for generations to come. I'm, uh, I'm often asked on that uh gravel road in southern Henry County, what attracts me to the Democratic Party? Why am I a proud member of the Iowa Democratic Party? And one of my first responses is Tom Vilsack. I, I have, I think we all do in Henry County, Mount Pleasant and elsewhere, great admiration for Tom's career-long expertise, experience, administrative skills, managerial skills, and leadership talent. Uh, he, he had a, a tremendous conversation with you, and I, I hope folks can tune into it. But uh, he spoke with great experience on, on the role of Iowa in the larger world and the role of agriculture in the world. Uh, just impressive. Your thoughts? Yes, it was a tremendous conversation with Tom. Uh, he's uh, 
just about my age, and so he's seen some of the tremendous changes that have occurred over the decades in agriculture. And he's recognized that even despite these changes, which in some cases have had negative impacts on our communities, still provide us with economic opportunities. And he noted particularly, for example, uh, local markets and the ability of our uh, growers to tap into these local markets and not be tied to the global market so much uh, that dictate to them what their prices will be. But they can uh, market to our local institutions, schools, hospitals, etc. He also talked about turning liabilities into assets. And he saw that as a tremendous future for improving income opportunities for our farmers. So that what might be a waste product and a liability among, say, the, the CAFOs, the confined animal feeding operations, can be converted into an asset as an organic fertilizer for those growing crops. And so I think he saw a great deal of optimism and opportunity in the future of agriculture, and it was good to hear that kind of optimism right here in rural Iowa. Well, Jeff, you talked a lot about the interconnectedness of all these issues, and you can see it play out as you talked about what you learned from some of the interviews. But I do know we missed a lot, too. We only had six weeks to go through all these important topics. What were some of the topics that that we missed that you think still need to be addressed uh, if you are elected to the state house? Well, one thing that is personal to me since I'm starting to face it uh, in my life cycle is senior living. And we know that in rural areas, the demographic is getting older and we have to approach that. Senior living is a, a challenge that is sometimes put off on nursing homes or assisted living. I think we need to face how to help seniors live longer and safely in their own homes, and I think we can do that. I love the arts. One of the things that attracted me to stay in this region is the emphasis on the arts. And the arts not only create a cultural atmosphere that is attractive to younger people to come here, it's also an economic driver. And that's an important part of what will make this a stronger community, to keep the arts powerful. Another issue is diversity. Clearly things are changing. And even here in rural Iowa, we see the demographics changing in a, in a variety of ways. And we need to embrace that. I think our own history in Iowa proves that when we welcome folks who may be different from ourselves into our community, it actually makes us stronger. And of course, the big issue that we're facing right now is COVID-19. And I think one of the things we have to take away from that is science matters. They're not fooling us. We need to pay attention to people who really know what they're ta talking about. And thinking ahead, and I'm going to sort of transition a little bit to what I'm going to be looking at uh, in the future is Iowa is sitting on a rainy day fund that measures anywhere from 300 million to Tom Vilsack suggested eight or nine hundred million dollars and it's been referred to as a rainy day fund and I think it's raining and we need to deal with this COVID-19 issue by dipping into that rainy day fund not only to help our folks 
who are struggling, small businesses, families who've lost jobs, lost their housing, but also to make the kinds of investments that when we get back on our feet and can move forward again, we're ready to move forward. So those are, those are some of the issues. So, so many good issues, so little time. So true, and yet all of them are so important. We're going to take a little break for a public service announcement, and when we come back, we will discuss how you plan to take what you have learned about all these issues to the State House in Des Moines. Once every four years, our nation asks all citizens to step forward and help decide the presidency of the United States. That's tomorrow, November 3rd, 2020. Show up. Uh, hopefully you have voted early. If you haven't, tomorrow is your opportunity. We have words from the Secretary of State who encourages everyone to vote and reminds us that tomorrow, Tuesday, November 3rd, polls in Henry County and throughout the state will be open from 7 in the morning until 9 in the evening. That's 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Poll locations are publicized on the website in a variety of areas. You should be able to find out where you vote. Earlier is better, but if you work through the day, vote in the evening. We don't anticipate very long lines in Henry County. Unfortunately, many people have voted early. But it is your duty. Plan to do it. Make it work. That's how we keep America strong and safe. Welcome back to Porch 84 and our final episode prior to the elections of 2020. My name is Mike Heaton. We're on the porch of Jeff Fager, Democratic candidate for District 84 of the Iowa House of Representatives. Joining us as well is Dave Hellman, uh, Jeff's campaign manager as well as longtime rural advocate. We spent the first part of our episode today exploring, reviewing, summarizing some of the really incredible things and important things we've learned from community advocates across Southeast Iowa over the last month and a half. I'm going to turn it over to Dave to introduce the second part of our episode today with some really important questions for Jeff on the eve of the election. Jeff, uh, this has been a great experience, but uh, most Iowans are sitting around right now saying, okay, what's this got to do with me? And what's this guy's philosophy? And where is he headed with all this? So what are the, what are the key things about what you believe that are really going to make sense to me back here in, in, uh, in Henry County? Well, that's a big question, and I'm going to start with sort of a, a general overview of my thoughts and then get to specific policy issues that I would want to pursue right away. First of all, I would emphasize the notion that relationships matter, and that means a certain level of civility. As I go to Des Moines and work with my colleagues, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, uh, civility, that relationship building, the ability to put personal feelings aside to look at the greater goals. After all, we're all in this together. And so we need to look for the common good for all people in Iowa and certainly in this district. Another term that uh, comes to mind that was used specifically with physical and mental health was wellness. But I think wellness applies across the board, not just to our physical bodies, but our body politic, our body social. And so I would hope that in Des Moines, we can put greater emphasis on wellness across all of these areas. 
so that we strengthen our bodies, our minds, our economy, our social institutions, so that they are healthy and capable of withstanding the kinds of slings and arrows that may come their way. And we're not constantly responding to problems that come up, but we create a healthy environment for everyone. And that means investing in the future. As the adage goes, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And I believe that in investment. Many people are concerned about, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? Well, if we don't pay up front, we will be paying very much more later on. And I would say that's certainly true with education and, and many of these other areas. If we don't meet the needs now, if we don't make those investments now, the cost in the future will be too great. And if you think taxes are high now, just wait if we don't make those investments now. Jeff, uh, here, in, uh, here in Henry County, folks are interested in specifics. The dialogue is great. It's a great way to learn. But uh, we look to uh, the state capitol and the legislature, the Senate and the House and the governor to do specific, clear, decisive legislative acts that make a difference here with us. Uh, what, what, what would some of those be? What are the, some of the things that, that, that stir your passions that you think are the most critical that will have any real impact here in, in my last gravel road in southern Henry County? I'd like to know. Well, there's so many opportunities, but let me just mention three that I have at the top of my list. First of all, reverse the Medicaid management debacle. Privatizing the management of our Medicaid dollars has been a disaster for our patients and for our healthcare workers, particularly our healthcare providers in rural areas. That needs to be reversed. As I said earlier, the market doesn't solve all problems, and this is an issue that the market is terrible at. So let's return it to state control so that all of our most vulnerable citizens have access to health care, and our health care providers have a good, fair system of being reimbursed for the work they do. Second, I would want to introduce legislation or support legislation that would correct the system of the way we allocate education funds. Right now, it penalizes rural districts that may be seeing loss of student enrollment, and we need to change the way we allocate so it's a fairer way of supporting our system. And that goes beyond just increasing dollars, which I think is very important. But the system of allocation needs uh, correction so that rural school districts get a fair shake. And third, I would improve the funding of broadband internet access to rural areas, actually in a couple of ways, increase the number of dollars. But I think maybe just as important is making sure the systems for accessing the dollars that the state can provide are open to our local ISP providers and our, our local businesses that are involved in internet access. Right now, the system is complicated, and again, privileges the large and oftentimes out-of-state corporations. 
and we need to make sure our local entrepreneurs in the tech field have an opportunity to access the funds to expand broadband access to our rural areas. Again, so many issues, but those are the three at the top of my list. Well, Jeff, I know I'm excited. Uh, if you're elected to the House tomorrow, we are going to be in very, very good hands. So one of the things I want to talk about before we conclude our, our season is the Henry County Democrats. You know, when I moved here a couple years ago, I didn't really know where to start. I talked to Christy Vilsack. I'm like, how do you get involved, you know, in, in Democrat politics and, and who's who's leading it? And lo and behold, I found out that uh, my the person who owned my house, uh, Emery Styron, used to be the chair of the Henry County Democrats. And uh, and then I met Jeff Fager and I met Dave Hellman. And it's, I slowly found my way uh, into the community, the really great, passionate, strong community that, that supports Henry County Democrats. So you two are really two of our biggest leaders uh, for the Henry County Democrats. What I'd love to hear is what the county party is doing, how they're planning on growing, uh, sort of how they're operating. What, how does it all work? I'm going to defer to Dave because he has the institutional memory of the Henry County Democrats. And so, uh, Dave, where did it all start or when did you get involved? I sometimes get annoyed when I hear people say, oh, I don't get involved in politics. Really? Well, you should. Politics is how we run our nation's government. Politics is, is, is a Latin word from, and it means politicians and people who lead in a democracy and in a republic. That's from school board to president. Everybody ought to be involved. I enjoy it. I have found my, my closest friends in the last 20 years in Henry County uh, have come through our common interest in political issues. And not political issues so much from a partisan bickering or arguing or defending the position of your candidate. From a public policy standpoint, interest in education, interest in health care, interest in insurance for, for, for the poor, interest in our roads and our highways. These are public policy issues. I love to get together and talk and debate and sometimes argue. And not necessarily with people who I agree with, but people I don't agree with. That's how, that's how we, we build a strong country. That's how we learn. That's how we're informed. It's very troubling that too many people are getting their information from social media in bits and pieces, and they're not sitting down with their neighbors and having a good, healthy debate. That's what's good about it. The Henry County Democratic Party is a great place to discuss issues, uh, to, to identify concerns that we all have that are common. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the people there uh, come from many walks of life and um, are, do not shy from politics because politics is the basis of leadership in a democracy and a republic. Well, I think uh, I would agree with all of that. Certainly, when Sally and I moved here, we had to kind of search out and discovered what is called the Central Committee of the Henry County Democrats. Uh, I learned very quickly that that's uh, a title, but uh, we're really open to everyone to get involved. And you talked about discussions and debates and arguing. It can happen within the Henry County Democrats. We are not a monolithic group that everybody agrees on every issue. So it, it is a dynamic discussion we have all the time. And I appreciate that ability to get with other folks. The, those those who, who get involved in, in local politics, I think are concerned about the well-being of their local community. I'm sure this is true of the Republican Party as well. 
We gather because we have something in common. We're interested in, in the well-being of our community, and that is developed through politics. Politics is how we make all the decisions in our country, from school board all the way to president, from health care to insurance to farming policy to tax policy to when we go to war. Those are the issues that affect our lives. And I, I have my best connection with that through the Henry County Democratic Party because we talk about that. We debate those issues. Uh, and I, I would encourage everyone to become involved in their local political arena because, number one, it has to do with the health of our country. Uh, number two, it's exciting and fun. Uh, it, it's a great way to learn and meet people. Yeah. And so, Jeff, real quick, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this about you. Uh, you're actually not only running for office right now, but you're also the chair of the Henry County Democrats. Is that correct? I am. Uh, and it's been an interesting and exciting uh, two years now, I believe. Uh, it, it can be challenging. And I think uh, Dave is pointing out something that too many people feel either put off by or intimidated by uh, a political party organization. But uh, I like his use of the word fun. It is fun. Yeah. Uh, and so it's been a privilege to be a part of this. Uh, certainly, uh, there are challenges, no doubt about it. But I've enjoyed my time as chair uh, trying to see how we can reach out to a broader audience I think many county parties are facing the same kind of challenge. Uh, how do we get more people involved? How do we increase the diversity of our population within the party uh, politics and the party organization? So let's go there for a second. You know, I, obviously I got to go through this process a couple years ago trying to figure out how to get involved, but we do have listeners out there that are listening to Dave and being like, I want to have fun too. I want to be involved. I want to debate these issues. They're important. And I want to see how I get in, how I can make a difference in my community, in my region, in my state, in my country. How do they get involved? What do they do? Do you have meetings? Do you have a website they can go to? What's the if they if someone had never been connected at all, what's their first and next step to be able to join and be part of this whole great community? The easiest way to get involved is to go to our website, which is Henry County Democrats. HenryCountyDemocrats.org. Click on the tab, subscribe, and then just follow the directions. And you can sign up for the Demo Memo. Of course, that's short for Democratic Memorandum. An electronic newsletter that goes out via email. Our former chair, Emery Styron, created the Demo Memo. And it's really the words, the working of the county chair in helping to organize and manage the party. Uh, and in Jeff's case, as was Emery's, goodness, these guys are well-qualified writers. It's very entertaining reading. It's short. It's clear to the point. And um, we, don't, we don't share this list with anyone. And it's judicious, meaning Jeff won't send one of these out unless he has something important to say. It's my understanding, too, we're going to try to build on the demo memo by redoing the website, uh, bringing in new communication tools like this podcast and, and other types of video work and so on. To, to really help to engage the community better, especially during COVID-19, as a lot of us are stuck in our homes and can't meet in person. Uh, the whole idea is to take what we did with the Demo Memo and build on that so we can continue to build community and grow the Democratic Party in Henry County. Uh, during this campaign, uh, the Jeff Fager for State House campaign, we used the Demo Memo to, f 
to shape a team of uh, over 40 volunteers uh, who were confined to their homes because of COVID, but wanted to help. And uh, we developed a, a postcard that required a handwritten note from neighbor to neighbor. Those 40 volunteers did over 4,200 postcards. And it was the demo memo that helped put that team together. Nice. Yeah. So that's just another example of being involved. And, and I think they had fun doing it, didn't they, Dave? Oh, totally. It was great. We had more volunteers than we had postcards initially. And then we did some more printing, and we found some more volunteers, and they all got covered. I, I will admit, so some of the meetings I've been to, it is a little bit of a rowdy bunch. They, they do have fun, no matter if they're writing postcards or they're grabbing food at the Jumbo Buffet, <laughs> whatever it may be. Uh, they definitely liked, they like to hang out, and, and they like yeah. company. Rarely, like rarely are our meetings more than an hour to an hour and a half max, and we would only do that if we had a guest speaker. And uh, yeah, I always, I always gauge meetings I attend, and I've been to a billion of them. I, I, I leave the meeting and I say, was this time well spent? Every one of our Henry County Democratic gatherings, I go home feeling pretty good about this was time well spent. Nice. There are a lot of great ways to get involved uh, with the Henry County Democrats, and I'm sure we'll hear about more after the election as we prepare for the future. But tomorrow is the election. It's a big day. And I would love to just hear your thoughts on tomorrow. For one, logistics, you know, people are looking to go to vote. So if you could talk to us a little bit about, you know, how to vote tomorrow, uh, all throughout the district if possible. Um, you don't have to go in too much detail in terms of like precinct by precinct, but you know, how to find out. Um, also, if we could talk a little bit about the Democratic ticket in general, up and down the ballot, you know, who are some of our key candidates and, and why is it important to vote for them? Um, and I know there's a couple nuances around uh, the supervisor race that you want to get out to our listeners as well. Tomorrow is uh, election day and uh, an important date. The polls will be open here in Henry County from 7 in the morning until 9 o'clock in the evening. That's 7 in the morning until 9 o'clock in the evening. We don't anticipate long lines or gatherings like you may hear about in the big cities. It should be a pretty comfortable experience, and many people have been there many times, so most folks understand that. To new voters... It's something to do, enjoy, get used to, and make it a routine of your life because voting is something that should be a routine of your life as a citizen. The uh, polling places, of course, in Mount Pleasant, uh, the four Mount Pleasant precincts will be at the Veterans Center. The Central Precinct, which is the large precinct that surrounds Mount Pleasant, will be at the Emergency Management Center uh, to the west of town. And, of course, there are polling places in Winfield, Wayland, New London, and Salem. Again, from 7 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night. Uh, there may be some voters who still have their absentee ballots in their possession. While you can drop them in the mail, and they can be postmarked as late as today, Monday, by the time this airs, it may be too late to do that, to be counted tomorrow. Now, in Iowa, that vote will still be counted up till November 8th, but that's rather anticlimactic. You want your vote counted now. Uh, my advice would be uh, to, uh, if you can, get that ballot into the secure lockbox to the south side of the uh, courthouse. You can also take that ballot with you to the polls and present it. Uh, if you still have it in your possession, you can take it to the polls and present it. And you will be able to vote. They'll be giving you another ballot, and that won't be, will be considered a spoiled ballot. But find a way to do it, and if you have a question, you can always call the auditor or call an election official uh, and uh, find a way to get that ballot in. 
Yeah, and this ballot is uh, packed with some very strong candidates from top to bottom. And by now, uh, I think folks are sort of inundated and maybe overwhelmed by all the information they're getting. But I just wanted to, one more time before Election Day, uh, tout the Democratic ticket up and down the ballot. Uh, we know at the very top we've got uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, uh, two very well-qualified candidates who bring a wealth of experience and commitment to the, the American people and a return to some civility and unity that has been lacking for the last four years. I've been incredibly impressed with Teresa Greenfield, who is our candidate for the Senate. Uh, we very much anticipate uh, having a Democratic president. I'm excited. And, uh, and a strong Senate. Teresa Greenfield has the qualifications and life experiences that I think would balance really well in the Senate today. And that's very much needed. And Jeff, I think I just saw a post on social media of you walking down uh, the sidewalk in, in downtown Mount Pleasant with Rita Hart. Yes, she visited Mount Pleasant, uh, stopping by to visit a couple of our local businesses uh, downtown. I first met Rita two years ago, and the first thing I recognized about her, and I'm still absolutely convinced this is true, is what you see is what you get. She is genuine. She cares. She knows what the issues are in southeast Iowa. I think she is a perfect match for the 2nd Congressional District. Great. Now, we get from the national level and national races down to our state level, and we have an incumbent in Rich Taylor who has served us well uh, over the years. And I know, Dave, you had a recent conversation with him. Well, Rich Taylor's my neighbor and a good one, a friend, a guy he could stop and visit with any time and have a really uh, fun conversation. Uh, he's everybody's neighbor here in Henry County. He truly represents the rural folks, the farming community, uh, people who, who work hard for a living. He's done that in the legislature. He's tough-minded. Uh, he has a, a, just a very basic kind of rural lifestyle about him, and he understands that. He comes from a farm family, and he's a veteran. He's a veteran of the armed services. A great guy, and uh, honest as a day is long. Now, Dave, you talked about all these uh, postcard-writing campaigns about the, the Fager campaign uh, and how people got to really look at why they believed in him as a candidate he is obviously our next uh, next person on the ballot in terms of Democratic ticket with the Iowa House of Representatives. Uh, let's take a moment and just uh, and embarrass Jeff for a second and, and talk about, you know, as his campaign manager and as, you know, I've had the privilege of sitting through all these podcasts with him, uh, why we are casting our vote for the guy sitting across from us on this porch. Well, one of the, one of the challenges you have for a campaign manager when you have a candidate who hasn't spent his entire waking life in the state of Iowa, but lived elsewhere, is people say, who is this guy? Uh, where's he come? What's he running this for? What's this about here? And, and, and so you do have a bit of a challenge, but, but when people meet Jeff and have gotten to know him through his work at uh, Iowa Wesleyan, uh, through his volunteerism, through his activity with the Democratic Party, you look at the credentials, the qualifications, the wisdom, and, and, and my wife, Kathy, who's a pretty perceptive individual, she said, on top of that, he's a perfect gentleman. Right, well, right. folks are looking for gentlemen, <laughs> gentle ladies in our legislature these days. There's too much vitriol and hatred and talk and all this business. And a guy like Jeff will bring that civility, that dignity, plus a lifetime of experience. When people saw that, 
They said, give me 100 postcards. I want to write out some postcards and tell my neighbors about this guy, Jeff Fager. He wasn't born or raised here, but he's been a lot of places, and he brings some real skills to our, to our neighborhood. That is so true, and, and I, can, I can just mirror what you said, basically. It's the experience, his knowledge and background on so many issues. Uh, just from a, a wealth of experience, of life experience, makes a huge difference. Um, the one thing I will say, too, is that you'll notice we've never, ever, in any of the podcasts, any of the ads he's put out, has gone negative against his opponent. He just, he just won't do it. He runs what I consider the, the, the right way to run a campaign. Um, he's genuine. He's honest. There, there's some things as I sat down with him, I'm like, do you really want to say that? You know, that may not go over well in this case. And he's like, I am who I am. I'm authentic and I'm going to run as me. And I'll tell you what, that is so refreshing to hear from a, from someone running for office. And so it has been a joy getting to know you and your perspectives, Jeff. And I'm excited to, uh, I've already have cast that ballot, that vote actually. Um, and uh, I do think we have a great Democratic ticket uh, overall. That The last one on our Democratic ticket is, of course, Dave Bieber, who is running for Henry County Supervisor. Yeah, Dave is a, a great guy. He's from Rome, and so he really is from rural Henry County. And so he's, a, I think, a good match again. He saw some issues that required real commitment to say, wait a minute, this isn't going the right direction. We need a change. And I know that uh, we need some diversity on that uh, supervisors group uh, so that we have different voices. And Dave would bring uh, a new perspective, and that's really needed. The, the, the Henry County Board of Supervisors is composed of three members, and they are elected at large for the county. Currently, all three members live in Mount Pleasant, even though Mount Pleasant, facts are, represents only about a third of the population of the county. So most of the residents in Henry County live in the rural areas. We haven't had anybody represent those areas by living in those rural areas for some time. What concerns me most is that for over 20 years, all three members of the Board of Supervisors have been from the same political party. Well, that's fine if you're in that party, but it's not necessarily good for governance. Most good governing bodies have diversity of viewpoints, and that usually comes from at least one of the three, at least one of the three being from the other party. So the tough questions get answered. They don't always get that when all three are uh, from the same pod. Dave Bieber would present that because he would be the one, the sole, the only Democrat in the team of three. And I believe that's good for how you budget. I think it's good for reviewing expenditures. It's good for making personnel decisions. Uh, and uh, it's a tough haul because here in Henry County, we Democrats are outnumbered in registration. So, so uh, you just want to vote for Dave. If you agree with me that one of those three should be from the other party, just vote for Dave. Because if you vote for one of his opponent, opponents, he's not going to have a chance of winning without Democrats and other people voting for him solely. So let's, let's clarify that. You have three choices and you get to vote for a maximum of two. And so what you're saying, Dave, is that they should only vote for Dave and not cast the second choice because that will disproportionately affect his chances. And he most, even if he gets a lot of votes, uh, he probably would not still win because of that second choice by everybody else. That's a correct. If you agree that good governance comes when there's difference of opinion, and that difference of opinion comes from a mix of the political parties, not all the same political party, 
then only vote for Dave because in this situation, his two opponents, and there are two seats open, two seats open, his two opponents are from the Republican Party. If you vote for the Republican and also Dave, you've effectively canceled out Dave because there are more registered Republicans in Henry County than there are Democrats. Right. So in this case, uh, the other candidates are great guys, but if you believe in diversity and decision-making in the county party, just vote for Dave Bieber for supervisor. But it sounds like we have a great slate of Democrats uh, coming down the pipe to vote for tomorrow if you haven't yet already. And again, that slate came about because of the involvement of Democrats uh, as the Democratic Party in the county, as well as at the state level and so on. So we want you to get involved. Please visit henrycountydemocrats.org, hit the subscribe button here, the demo memo, and come join us as we work to make this community a truly great place to live. That's great. And we welcome all comers. Again, uh, we're not a monolithic group, so please come join us and make Iowa better. This has been quite a journey uh, with all these interviews, all these conversations. It's tough to believe that we're come to the end of our first season, at least, of the podcast before the election tomorrow. Um, any final closing thoughts you'd like to make? Well, I like the insertion you made at least because these have been tremendous conversations and I don't think they should end. And certainly if I am elected tomorrow and become your representative, I hope to continue this so that I can listen to more community leaders, hear more about some of these issues we didn't get to and others uh, that are certainly going to come up in the coming uh, months and, and years. And so I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I really must express my appreciation to my campaign committee, to the people who I interviewed in this. Uh, and Mike, I'm sorry you don't like to hear your name, but you've done a <laughs> tremendous job uh, in putting these podcasts together. And I also want to thank the folks at KILJ Radio that made these podcasts accessible to the public through the airwaves. And I look forward to an opportunity to serve this community, this district, and all of Iowa. Thanks, Jeff, and good luck tomorrow. Dave, thank you for joining us on the porch today. Thank you to all of our listeners for listening in today and for the last month and a half. If you haven't voted yet, please get out tomorrow to vote. It's so incredibly important for Southeast Iowa, for our state as a whole, and for our country. From Jeff's Porch, thank you. Paid for by Jeff Fager for Statehouse. House.